Welcome in to Paydirt Sports, part of the Six Pack Coverage Network. Be sure to check them out, sixpackcoverage.com. Check them out on Instagram and Twitter at Six Pack Coverage. This is Will Dundon here with Nick Trushel. We're currently recording this. We're watching a national championship. We got Georgia and Bama facing off again, and it's about third quarter, 12 minutes left. Bama's up 9-6. to six. Kind of classic. Classic SEC, just back-and-forth field goals. It's been a defensive matchup. I guess, yeah, I shouldn't say classic SEC. I mean, I guess old-school old school SEC. Old-school SEC. Recent defense, SEC yeah. has obviously been a, a high-passing attack and scoring a lot of points, but kicking it back to old-school a little bit, um, it's been a defensive matchup for sure. Yeah, someone tweeted out the uh, game summary, and you see punt, punt, fumble, field goal, punt. You know, so it's looking like that whole that Big Ten summary yeah. you usually get to see. But yeah, so Trujillo, the weirdest thing I saw about this game, and I, I I didn't bet on it. I know you did, but Georgia's favored by three, and maybe I like, am I in the minority, or what did you think about seeing that line spread? I mean, I I personally thought it was a lot. I'm always on the side of Saban, usually just with how great he is and we were talking about it earlier how he's finally maybe cracked the top three top five coaches all time <laughs> now we're all jokes here he's definitely in my book the the greatest college football coach of all time um but I think it's kind of that thing that we talk we've talked about multiple times this year it's tough to beat a team twice and especially when it's um a caliber of a team such as Georgia and a caliber of their defense that they have so I mean I I get it why Georgia was favored. I mean, they're both 13 and one. They both showed out um, during the first round of the playoffs. I think it was just because Alabama won the last time. You kind of think Georgia might be a little bit hungrier, really trying to get this win. So they have a little bit of a little bit of an edge there. Yeah. It just surprised me because of the way Alabama beat them in the SEC championship. Like it didn't look like, I mean, Georgia, Belonged on the field with them, I guess. Yeah. But it looked like Bama was in control of that game from beginning to end. So that's why it kind of surprised me a little bit. But I also didn't want to risk it and bet on Bama because I was thinking, okay, what if this is what the entire public's thinking and Vegas has got something up their sleeve or whatever. They, they always you know, seem to have something it's, up their when sleeve. When it's too good to be true, it probably is. So just something to think about. But, you know, 9-6 to six right now, I, I didn't expect to see this. I definitely thought there would be more offense. But I'm I'm cool with it. I'm, I'm I mean, fine I'm with fine with it. watching the yeah. defensive matchup. I think it definitely has to do with something uh, something with Jamison Williams going down early on has slowed down Alabama's uh, receiving offense a little bit. Yeah, and they're already without Mechie, right? Yeah, so Mechie already – he tore his ACL in the SEC championship. Um, so that's pretty rough for them. They've lost their top two receivers. And then to go kind of on the Georgia side of things – Stetson Bennett hasn't really looked too great. I mean, he's had a cup. He had that one big throw um, for like 50 yards. But other than that, he had uh, a stupid fumble. Hasn't really been able to get through the Alabama pass rush. So kind of as as we've talked about, he isn't quite a superstar. Um, but I mean, he's good. And don't get me wrong, he's made some plays. But I, I think he's still not quite good enough to get over the hump, at least so far. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, he's had a couple of good throws this game, and the beauty of a game like this, where it's so low scoring and everything, it's like whoever scores that touchdown yeah, first because it's gonna, just been trading field goals. Yeah, I mean, it's nine to six. You score a touchdown, you got a big advantage because now you're up. Like if you're Georgia, you're up four at that point. You yeah. know, so 
as long as you can keep them out of the end zone like you've been doing, you're still in good shape. It's al- it's almost like making a two possession game out of a one possession game kind of. It really is. When it's when it's this back and forth especially with the defense. And you know these defenses are both in a, a bend don't break mindset right now. I mean, that's what you got to do in these tight, close games. Just give the give up the points that you can and really try and let your offense maybe take care of the business at the end of the game. For sure, for sure. This past weekend, we had a lot going on, mainly in the NFL, but we also had a lot of news in college football that we'll, we'll kind of kick off with. Transfer Portal was bumping. Yeah, it was bumping. We saw some uh, very familiar names find some new homes. Uh, this past weekend. Uh, if Reese was here, we would, of course, talk about the Calzone, Zach Calzada going to Auburn. Uh, obviously, with Bo Nix's departure, there was going to be some room there to uh, figure out who's going to be the starting quarterback. Maybe Calzada's uh, going in there to maybe make some noise and make a little run uh, in the SEC West again. You know, and I like I like Calzada. Um, I'll get into it in a second because I actually wouldn't have mind seeing him come over to Nebraska but I think he's just still raw. I think he's got a ton of arm talent. Uh, I mean, obviously, he throws heat. He throws it hard. He throws it far. Sometimes he's pretty inaccurate. But getting the right coach in there, I don't know if I don't I don't know about Harson yet and everything. So I don't know. It's if, tough to tell on him. if you know Calzada is going to turn into this great quarterback or anything. I think he has the natural ability to become one. But will he get coached up and really turn into one? I don't know. But I do. I like him, and it'll be cool to see him at another big-time school, an SEC school. He's got experience as a starter. I mean, for Auburn, I think he's the perfect guy to go grab in the transfer portal. Yeah, I'd agree Beat Alabama. That's what you're looking for is Auburn. He's got the experience there. Um, He's played in the SEC West. Going to provide some veteran leadership, hopefully spice things up over there uh, on the offensive side of the ball because the defense has been great, uh, really, at Auburn for the past five years. Um, and that it's really been shooting themselves in their foot through turnovers and just offensive woes. So it'll be interesting to see if Calzada can get in there and maybe uh, spark the offense a little bit. Yeah, and someone I'll throw in since I mentioned I wouldn't mind seeing Calzada go to Nebraska. Nebraska did get a transfer quarterback this past week, and a big one. I I like them. They got Casey Thompson out of Texas, who led the Big Twelve in touchdown passes. I mean, was lighting it up. Uh, ended up, la- last half of the season, played with an injured thumb. Apparently, Sark kind of kept it on the DL. But I saw a picture of it, and it was like he had both of his hands out. One thumb was like three times the size of the other, and his oh, hand was totally black. I mean, he couldn't even grip that. the football. But also, because I was wondering, okay, how good is this kid? Because I'd watched him at times, and I saw some highlight plays. I knew it was pretty good. I think mainly the thing is I think Sark wanted to bring in his own guy to come play quarterback, and he went out and got Quinn Ewers. Yeah. So I think Casey Thompson is a better natural thrower than Martinez was, so I'm excited to see that. With I, I mean, like He can run, but they're not going to run him like they no. did Martinez. So that'll be interesting to see. And also, you know, in the – Sorry, I just got thrown off because I saw Kamara, Alvin Kamara on the Alabama sideline. What the heck? What? That's not right. <laughs> that Come is on. not right. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, no, I got to I got to take a step back. What? <laughs> How? I mean, I guess as a Tennessee fan, I'm. We were talking about this quickly to interject. Will I? I want Alabama to win this game. I. I mean, honestly, I just couldn't stand 
what the Georgia Bulldog fans would be saying and chirping all day long about finally winning a national championship and finally doing something since 1980. Yeah, so, yeah. I, I guess he was there with Mark Ingram. Maybe he's just maybe he's hanging out. I don't yeah, know. we'll just that was weird. I got to forget that. I got to get that out of my mind. Anyway, uh, back back to the Huskers transfer portal. So they also got Trey Palmer from LSU, a former five star on some sites, four star on others. He was at LSU, return guy, had over 500 return yards or something, also a receiver, slot guy. I mean, awesome player. And I tell you what, the biggest addition for Nebraska this offseason has been hiring Mickey Joseph, former Husker quarterback, LSU receivers coach, getting him to come over to Nebraska because he's getting all these guys to come over with him. He got Dakota Crawford to flip his commitment. He's getting Trey Palmer. Like, I don't know when the last time Nebraska got a five-star was. I have no clue. I mean, it's had to have been forever. <laughs> I mean, we've gotten some four stars, some guys close maybe, but I mean, a legit, I guess he's not total five star because he's four on some, but I'm pretty Count sure he's it. a five star on like rivals or something. Count so, it. I mean, that's huge. And the thing is, is Nebraska hasn't been able to return kicks or punts in like three years since Scott Frost's been there for whatever reason. So getting a true returner to come in is huge. Make some splash plays. Yeah. Uh, we also have a familiar, familiar name, John Reese Plumley, headed down to UCF uh, with former Auburn head coach Gus Malzahn down there. What do you think about that? I love it for bo- for UCF for and for Plumley. Yeah, you know, Plumley's a guy that I, I feel like everyone just kind of roots for, but just slowly tumbled his way down the depth chart. Had some guys just take over him, and he he's good um, and definitely has talent and the ability to be a starting quarterback. But I feel like UCF is about his level, his speed. He's got a good uh, good coach in there, new system. I'm going to be excited to see what John Reese uh, Plumlee does next year. It's almost like when you par- – parents, I feel like, have this issue when they have these kids that are super athletic, but they're not th- – this is this is different than Plumlee, but it's, it's in the same kind of – same uh, area, whatever. I don't know. So Plumlee's this guy who's super athletic – but like isn't quite good enough to play quarterback at Ole Miss. Yeah. And still wasn't really quite good enough apparently to play like receiver. But he might be the fastest. They tried fa- to switch him, didn't right, they? Right. Yeah. yeah. But I mean he also might be the fastest guy on the team. So it's like you know, you see parents have that issue with kids when they're like, I don't know what sport to put them in, but they're super athletic. It's like, okay, put them in track. So it's yeah. like almost Plumley should be a track star somewhere. <laughs> Cause he's like totally he's not good enough to be a quarterback at a big SEC school. And he was like an average baseball player at Ole Miss, I think, which Ole Miss is one of the better baseball schools yeah, in the country. Yeah, so it's it's tough to. to and I think he play. batted like two twenty four or something, so pretty solid still. I mean, for just being a ball player, yeah. but I think UCF is the perfect fit because now he's going to be in that mid major level mm-hmm. where his athleticism is going to reign supreme. Yeah. That's what's going to matter. He's going to be physically superior. To most of the other guys out on that field. And most likely Malzahn, if he kind of sticks with what UCF has been doing and I saw with Gabriel and everything, they'll probably run him a lot more. Yeah. Because he's going to play quarterback, right? Probably, I'd imagine. And you know Malzahn loves that hurry-up offense. You'll see him churning his arms and he always... Well, he can um, do exactly what Malzahn and Nick Marshall did. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to go to, having that... Quarterback that can't really throw too accurately, but is going to be accurate enough when you have some speedy receivers just to burn downfield for him to launch that ball. But because he is a a threat with his legs, it opens the field up a little bit. I mean, the dude is blazing fast. Yeah. 
Seriously, I mean, when he came in a couple years ago for Ole Miss and was playing, I mean, a lot of people were talking big about John Reese Plumley. Like he he had some steamrolling uh, with his name, but then with Corral, kind of Corral just emerged pretty yeah, much. He emerged and kind of that the rest was history. But yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a good fit for both of them. Like I said, because I mean, he's not an NFL quarterback or anything, no. but he's a great athlete. And he's too he's too good of an athlete to not be playing somewhere. And I think UCF is the right fit because well now you have UCF going into the Big Twelve, so you still have like a legit team, just not quite you know SEC everything. But he, I mean, I think he'll be successful because I think Malzahn will be able to drop the right offense that makes everything easy for him. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing when you have a guy who's not necessarily the best thrower. Don't make him throw it all over the field. Make his reads obvious Hit, and say, yeah. hey, you throw it here. If it's not there, take off. Exactly. And that's one thing John Reese Plumley can do. If if he gets into the open field, he can make some moves too. It's not that just his top speed is really great. I think his shiftiness and just kind of agility on the, uh, on the field is really good as well. He can make some crazy moves. I mean, seriously, when I saw one of his first games when he was starting at quarterback and he was taking off and running – I think it was in a game they were actually getting beat down pretty bad, but I think they still scored 30 points or something. It may have been a few years ago to Alabama or Florida or someone. But he took off and made some moves, and I said, that guy, I said, that guy looks like Eric Crouch. Seriously, <laughs> Eric Crouch, high, like 2001 Heisman yeah. winner. He looked like Eric Crouch running the ball. It's, I mean, because he's the fastest white dude I've ever seen. He's got moves, shaking defenders out of their shoes. He's too good. He's seriously, I mean, I already said it, but he's too good of an athlete not to be playing football somewhere. Like, get the ball in his hands somehow and let him just take off at least. So, I'm excited that he's going to – I I really do. I think it's going to be the perfect fit for both of them. Yeah, it's going to be a good fit. Um, but speaking of Ole Miss, there's another guy that I want to talk about, Zach Evans, uh, former five-star running back who's kind of had a career like Tate Martell, who has just – like floated around. You think he's going one place. He he signed with Georgia. He gets out of the signing somehow. Everybody thinks he's going to AM. He doesn't go to AM. He enrolls at TCU. He doesn't actually play there. His new home now is Ole Miss. Uh, we'll see how that actually goes, uh, especially with a, an interesting coach like Kiffin there. I don't know if Kiffin is the guy to kind of contain an ego and uh, a player like that. So I'm not too sure how that partnership is going to end up, but uh, there was a lot of noise at one point that Zach Evans was going to end up at Tennessee, so I've kind of followed his woeful, crazy career around. But it uh, looks like he's going to end up choosing Ole Miss. We'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see. I honestly don't know a whole lot about him. Yeah. I mean, and, I remember when he was recruited. Like, where was he last? Uh, he he was at TCU last. Okay. But, uh, I mean, I don't think he's really played – uh, anywhere. So he hasn't really gotten a chance to show off anything. He doesn't have tape. Apparently he has a lot of behavioral issues, would not show up to practice, do certain things like that. So he's getting his third, fourth chance, whatever it is. Uh, I don't expect anything different, but yet you still see his name in the news um, because he was a five-star at one point. Yeah. It's like the only way it's going to work out for him is if he flips his attitude around, which I'm going to say doesn't happen. Or if Ole Miss just like lets everything slide, which I could see, like I could Kiffin. definitely see, yeah. So Kiffin's the player, or or I also can see we have this uh, uh, this kind of thought process on Kiffin 
But sometimes I wonder if him not being as like emotionally involved with players like most college coaches are, kind of treating it more as like a business, more of like an NFL yeah. coach would. Sometimes I wonder if that works better because then it's like, okay, here, like here's the rules, follow them. Like there's not going to be any negotiating with me because we don't even have that good of a relationship, <laughs> you know. Like I think what I what I heard from guys I know that were on in the Ole Miss football program was basically Kiffin like didn't even really talk to the players. He hung out with Corral and like that was it. So I we'll see. I mean, I they early left too, right? He's going to the draft. Yeah. So they needed someone. They need some really good athlete to fill those shoes because early was a beast. He was really good. Um, and I kind of wanted to parlay things here real quickly, speaking of Ole Miss, about some rumors swirling about. Um, we'll get into the NFL coaching changes, but this does involve the NFL with some cu- current college coaches. Have you seen some of this talk about both a Lane Kiffin and a Jim Harbaugh leaving college football to go back to the NFL, get a second shot at it? I saw a Harbaugh. I, didn't, I mean, I'm sure Kiffin's always in discussion, but I'm not quite sure what you're talking about now. Yeah, so, and then as well, Pat Fitzgerald has been in the rumor mill now for the Chicago Bears job. What do we think about that? I just don't think Pat Fitzgerald would ever leave. I can, the thing is, is Chicago Bears and Pat Fitzgerald just fits so well. Yeah. But I don't think Pat, Pat Fitzgerald had chances to leave. That maybe not maybe not for an NFL job though. But I don't that's, think he, that's the difference here. Is this is the this is the big boy league. This is an NFL job. I it's, don't think he care there are guys who are college coaches, like care about like developing young men and yeah, I think have a passion I think Pat Fitzgerald is one of those guys and he's at his alma mater. I mean, he is at his dream job. I don't know if and he's been there so long now too. Mm-hmm. Unless he is Unless he just wants a new challenge, I don't see him leaving. That's the only reason. There's no, it's not going to be a money thing. It's not a NFL thing necessarily. It's just like a personal. I've done all I can do at Northwestern, so I'm going to go try something else. But I don't, I don't see it. I see him at Northwestern forever. And there's also talk of Ryan Day leaving Ohio State for the NFL, which I wouldn't see that at all. But really, the specific name that I wanted to talk about, what you mentioned first, Jim Harbaugh. You know, he was on uh he or he was on the Chicago Bears as a quarterback in the eighties. Um did we just see a block field goal? I think we did. Yeah, yeah. Bama just so had a field as, goal block. Uh, as we were talking about crazy defense and field goals, that trend continues. We just had a block field goal. Um, but I honestly since Jim Harbaugh finally beat Ohio State, maybe that was his college Super Bowl and he's ready to head back to the NFL and uh Try it again there. I don't know. Maybe, but it's been a rumor for like seven years now, right? Yeah. I mean, they every year like they're always up. like, "Oh, Harbaugh might go back," and he might. Because I'm, I'm not sure, saying it won't happen. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, pretty much every time there's an NFL coaching vacancy, you know, they do their due diligence and give Harbaugh a call or give some of those college coaches a call that you know have had some success in the NFL. But it's it, it, it's tough because there's not really too many coaches that have had success in uh, both college and the NFL. Well, to me, it's all about timing, too. Like, you have Harbaugh, who maybe if he got an NFL offer a couple years after he was at Michigan, you know, then maybe maybe he goes back. But it was like he wasn't, he wasn't killing it at Michigan, so those weren't 
necessarily coming in. Right. But now he's been there for what seven, eight years, and it's like, okay, hey, you're you're building something now. You won a Big Ten championship. You have momentum. People are gonna you're gonna have guys wanting to go to Michigan again. I mean, he's had good recruiting classes, but you know what I mean. I mean, he's gonna have guys that you're gonna build off that momentum because I mean, right now you're the best team in the Big Ten. You have a chance at a if you're the best team in the yeah. Big Ten, you're probably going to the playoffs. So you're going to have a chance there and it's okay do you really want to leave right when you kind of almost you made you made one big jump now you're kind of teetering make the second. you're yeah. kind of teetering on the next one and you have a real chance to do it now so is that something you want to leave now after you've been there for 8 years and worked so hard to get there yeah i think you're right about that but it's always fun to at least speculate i I'm mean not, like i'm not saying it won't happen it's just i think it i think the situation he's in makes it way more complicated than if it was five years ago. Yeah, because if he, w- I, I see what you're saying. If he wanted to get out, he probably would have in the downtime rather than sticking around to try and rebuild Michigan, unless he was going to stay there for the long haul. Yeah, because make sure he wins them a natty. It's like okay, yeah, we're winning nine games. I'm doing okay. Yeah, you want to? You want me to come back to the NFL? Sure. But now it's like okay, we won nine games forever. And it's like okay, here we go. We won twelve games and. Won a Big Ten championship. Now we're in the playoff, and we didn't quite do it. Now am I really going to leave? Maybe if he won, like if he won a national championship, if he won it all and wanted to leave after that, it's like okay, I did what I came to do here. I don't know. Maybe I, I'm kind of thinking. My take on this is he wants revenge against his brother. Screw Michigan. He he's going after John. This is a personal vendetta here. He wants to get back in the NFL to go beat down those Ravens. Maybe, maybe we'll see about that because it's for the Dolphins' job, correct? Uh, either the Dolphins or the Bears. One of the two. Gosh, I could see him with the Bears. Yeah, because you were saying he yeah, played for the he Bears. He played for the Bears. Um, I, I could really see him. I could see him coaching the Bears and doing a good job, too. The Bears, th- that's a very appealing job to me. A very appealing job. because um, It's mean, just such a respected franchise. Yeah, it's such a respected franchise. You have the fan support no matter what. And it'd be a fun that that'd be a fun job because you already have a, a very good defense to build upon. You have, I guess, your potential QB as doo, looks like Georgia's about to score. Uh, nope, they're gonna be tackled right before the ten. Sorry about that. Got distracted by the game. Um, but yeah, that that Chicago Bears job is pretty attractive to me. Who's playing? Oh yeah, you got Justin Fields. Yeah. So you got a young quarterback to develop, a quarterback that you know that you faced a couple times, I mm-hmm. guess. I man, I could really, yeah, I could see Harbaugh doing a good job. I just don't see it happening though. I don't think he's going to leave. If he does though, I would like it. I would like for him to take the Bears job because I, I think that'd be fun to watch, and I think he could do it. I think he could get the Bears good again. The Bears Listen. need to be good again for for the NFL. Yeah, I feel well, like it's just weird. What weird was your take? That. I mean, we we're talking about these openings. So, what was your take on the whole Flores? firing so uh, originally when i heard about this similar to the rest of the world everyone was like what the hell like what just happened i at the beginning of this year was calling for the dolphins to actually win the afc east um and not the bills in which it started to look possible after the bills were down a little bit but they ended up taking care of business and beating out the patriots that dolphins defense was nothing to mess around with um but after doing a little bit more digging and reading today, it looks like uh, it had a little bit more to do with personal reasons um, rather than actual coaching. 
Uh, so it looks like the relationship of Flores with both the GM and to a tag of Iloa had uh, gone south, pretty far south. So I think the organization was pretty much siding with Tua, saying, hey, he's our guy um, if Flores doesn't want him. I, that's what I've kind of read into this situation about is that uh, Flores didn't really like Tua. He didn't want to go in that direction. Uh, the organization wanted to go in that direction and uh, said, Flores, you're out. And I, I mean, apparently he was button heads with some other players as well. But they, I was just so excited about that Miami team. I felt like they were so close to getting over that hump and competing in that division. And I thought Flores was going to be the guy. And I think he'll be really good somewhere else. Because everywhere, everywhere I've been reading, he's top of the boards for some of these other openings, like the Vikings, like the Bears. Uh, so I don't think it'll be too long before we see Flores back at a head coaching job. Yeah, I could see him. For some reason, I see him fitting with the Vikings well. I don't know why. I just feel like it, w- it could match up right. Yeah. Uh, a good uh, good defensive-minded coach could help the Vikings because, I mean, they, they seem to have been able to score pretty well, have some crazy uh, receiving numbers, but when they needed the uh, defense to play well, haven't been able to do it. Yeah, and so I saw a ton of people reacting to this on Twitter, Flores getting fired from the Dolphins, and it was funny because I think people were overreacting because, you know, it's it's Brian Flores, it's not... Bill Belichick or Mike Ditka or Vince Lombardi yeah. like people were I mean <laughs> people everyone was saying this is atrocious yeah it was like terrible I was like I mean yeah I wouldn't have fired him either but it's not that big of a deal <laughs> like they did I mean they didn't make the playoffs or anything it's not like that like we fired Mike Malarkey for make, winning a playoff winning a game, playoff game. <laughs> yeah uh but I don't know so yeah I could see that the whole Butting heads with two, butting heads with players and upper management. That's a problem. It's not going to work out. However, you know, I don't really like Tua either. So I think I'm kind of on Flores' side because I feel like Flores is a really respected guy around the NFL. Vrabel has talked about him before. Vrabel's a big fan of Flores. Yeah. And I'm thinking, like, I think I'm, what I'm saying is I'm taking Flores' side in this because I think he's a good coach and I think. I think he probably made the right decisions and he probably just wanted a different quarterback and management disagreed with him. And when you have, when you have arguments like that, it's not going to work. So it may have been kind of a mutual, a, kind of a mutual breakup in that aspect. Cause he'll get, I think the bears or the Vikings need to hire him. Yeah. He'll get another shot, but it's interesting to see because some players sp- spoke so highly of him, but then looking at this quote here from Minka Fitzpatrick, um, he wanted to trade for a reason. So basically, uh, he said Flores had no clue who he was as a player and didn't care enough to find out. So it seems like he, he did have a little bit of trouble in the past and uh, a superstar like Minka Fitzpatrick obviously uh, ended up getting traded because of it. And now it looks like it's uh, Flores's turn to get the can. See, I wonder, like, what does that even, what does that mean? Because you would think, yeah, a guy like Minka Fitzpatrick I mean, how do you not? I mean, is he is Minka Fitzpatrick telling the truth, or did he just not like Flores? So he's kind of using that against him, right? Because yeah, I mean, you would obviously, if you're a coach, you would know who Minka Fitzpatrick is and know how to develop him and everything, and want him to be a key part of your defense. But was it? I'm also wondering. I feel like Flores is just kind of a hard ass. Oh, he is. He and is. I think guys. I think you just have. I mean, it goes along with this whole like softer generation. Maybe yeah. they can't handle it as much. 
And it probably, maybe that's why him and Vray will get along because there's a reason some of these guys, uh, you had all these guys coming to the Titans and a lot of guys worked out for us, obviously, like guys who didn't have jobs that came in, worked their butts off and made it. But then you had guys who couldn't handle it. You had guys like Josh Reynolds who, they even kind of said, you know, Josh Reynolds, he didn't really have that dog in him. He didn't, yeah, like he didn't respond to this whole like, you know, harder, uh, intense atmosphere as well as the other guys did. So I'm wondering if that's more part of it. Maybe Flores is in the wrong franchise for him. You know, maybe he needs to go to Chicago yeah. or something and get gritty and be able to be tough on guys. Because I don't know. I mean, I feel like Mika Fitzpatrick is also, I always see him on Twitter tweeting stuff out and everything. Like, you definitely had some divas down there in Miami. I like I, I'm totally on Flores' side because I just think he's a good coach. And like I said, I think he's a hard ass. So he's probably just gotten dudes' faces and pe- they didn't like it. They didn't yeah. take to it very kindly. Oh, he's 100% been a hard ass. Um, so specifically, he uh, has come up under the coaching ranks from one of the most intense guys, Bill Belichick, and actually during a game tried to fight the entire Cincinnati Bengals bench. Um, so he definitely coaches with some emotion and with some passion and is known to uh, run practices pretty hard. And if you're not buying into his system, then you're out of here. So, I mean, that that style of coaching we've talked about a little bit has kind of, in the media at least, being put saying, oh, these guys are so hard on them and all this stuff. But then also, these are grown men playing football. It's a business trying to win. You're doing everything you can to win. You're playing your hardest. So... I don't really get the whole kind of soft mindset and not wanting to work hard and all of that, but I think you have to have ownership backing you up when you're a coach like that. Yeah. One hundred because the whole organization behind it. Because yeah, it's like if you have ownership backing you up, you're essentially saying, This is how our franchise is going to be. This is what our identity is gonna be. Top to bottom. Like and this is what that I mean, that's what the Titans have done with Vrabel. You know, Amy Adams and J-Rob, and they're letting Vrabel and really Vrabel and J-Rob kind of match up together. Yeah, hell, but J-Rob's out there yeah. on the practice field throwing blocks and yeah, taking yeah. pads and stuff. Yeah, like. so it's like you have these guys matched up. They're going to, they're establishing a culture. Here in Miami, you have ownership and maybe the GM. I don't know about the GM, but you have ownership and B Flow, Flores with different mindsets of how to run a franchise. And you can't have that no. because of. Because if Flores is trying to be all hard here and get in dudes' faces and establish kind of this tough, gritty culture, but then you have other guys who are like, hey, don't be too hard on these. Like, these are our guys. We don't want you, like, hurting their feelings yeah, or anything. Yeah, we don't want you to hurt Tua's feelings. Yeah, you're He's not going to be guy. able to establish it because the players aren't going to respond to you when they know they're safe, when they know they don't have anything to lose because the ownership has them backed up. So I think you, whatever wherever he goes, as long as he gets the right ownership, I think Flores will do fine. Yeah, he definitely needs the the right organization. It'd be interesting to see if he ends up at the Vikings job, which would be kind of a tough job to follow seeing Mike Simmers. Uh, His coaching record is actually pretty good. It's uh, well above 500. Um, But, I mean, in recent years, not been so great for the Vikings. (laughs) Kind of been tough. Um, Who else got fired? We have Matt Nagy from the Chicago Bears. That needed to happen. It just probably. needed to happen. It probably should have happened 16 weeks ago, like after he refused to start Justin Fields for as long as he did. Yeah, the Red Rocket was not the answer, and then they started trying to take Nick Foles and make some magic there. He's but, just not a good coach. 
No. I, the, the, Nothing he did was good. His defense <laughs> has pretty much carried him the whole way. He's had some insane superstars uh, on the defense. His that his first year, he was coach of the year, wasn't he? When they went twelve and four with Mitch Trubisky. Gosh, was he? Yeah. So you kind of <laughs> totally look all the way that. back to that first year, um, and boy, has it fallen. Maybe I mean, Trubisky. Hey, maybe Trubisky's good. I did. I kind like Trubisky got so much crap, but I mean, I saw it. I thought it was. I was against it when he got drafted high because I didn't think he had proven anything to get drafted that high. But then when he got to the league, I saw the ability and the athleticism in the arm. Decision-making sucks sometimes, but I saw it there. And then you saw him go, okay, they're going, yeah, they're go to the playoffs. And look, since Trubisky's left, they haven't had a shot at the playoffs. But I, I mean, I think, I personally think Fields is going to be fine. But yeah, Nagy, I, I don't know. I don't know what he did there because. They have not been good. No, they haven't been good. Their offense has been terrible. Um, and they've got some weapons. I mean, hell, you had Allen Robinson. You had David Montgomery. You got weapons on the offense. The offensive line hasn't been terrible, but they just haven't been able to scheme up the right things. They've been bad um, in-game play calling. And I'm pretty sure there was a quote earlier this year. We were talking about Jim Nagy saying, uh, yeah, after I, I missed that timeout call, that's one of those times as a coach, man, I really wish I could go back and change that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, yeah. You kinda, you're like, aren't you at, at, at kind of the level where a simple kind of timing issue or timeout you should, call? You should know what to do in yeah, that situation. Yeah, you should know what to do in that situation at, at this point in your career. So, yeah, good riddance. Uh, Chicago Bears, hopefully you find a good coach. I think with, along with obviously getting a good coach, maybe they need to get because you mentioned those names and like, yeah, I like Montgomery, but I you probably need to find a. Are we look up their roster real quick? Are we missing someone? I'm I, like maybe they need to sign some big name receiver and just throw like, give him a blank check or something because well they had Alshon Jeffrey for forever yeah <laughs> but uh, yeah he didn't work uh, work out too well at the end of his career being so old but yeah we can uh, take a look at their. Because Allen Robinson was fine. I think they thought yeah. he was going to be really good. They which... got Jimmy Graham. I forgot that uh, <laughs> he ended up on the team this year. But David you probably... Darnell Mooney, who has been uh, kind of their big receiver this yeah. year. Allen Robinson. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not too many big... Or maybe draft like draft a receiver this year. I don't know. I, th- I think you got to give... If you're going to invest in Justin Fields as your quarterback, you got to give him the tools to be successful. I mean, that's the key with any young quarterback. You got to have some weapons because even Trevor Lawrence has some, like there are guys on the Jags that you see that can make some plays or receiver yeah, that are Jones pretty good. Was yeah. Making some plays. Yeah. So yeah, bears probably need to make a move like that as, as well as getting a good coach. So we do have some fun here for this kind of coaching carousel in the NFL that's about to yeah. come up. Cause you could see a lot of big names, a lot of pieces moving around from college and NFL ranks. I'll be interested to see which way it goes. But let's talk about a couple games real quick. We saw a pretty wild weekend in the NFL. Yeah, there were some crazy upsets. <laughs> you had you had some guys that weren't weren't playing. You had like, you know, Packers and Bengals basically got to take the week off. Um Chiefs took care of business to try and be the one seed, but yeah, the tit- but we'll talk about the Titans in a little barely bit. Barely even did it. Yeah. Uh, they really only won because of the late uh, Broncos fumble. Right. And then the game I want to talk about first is obviously the Colts and the Jags. So apparently the Jags are the Colts kryptonite, I they guess. They haven't beat 
them in uh, Jacksonville since 2014, right? Yep, seven years. They've lost like seven or eight in a row to them on the road, including the London game. I mean, they simply just cannot beat the Jaguars on the road. And they couldn't even do it to get into the playoffs. That wasn't enough of a, uh, that that wasn't the carrot dangling in front of them. It wasn't enough to get them to run hard enough and Carson Wentz to not (laughs) Wentz it out. All they had to do was beat the worst team in the NFL. Like the Jags were down, man. They were not good. They they lost like fifty to three or fifty to ten last week. They were gone. They were done. But man, they had uh, I'm I'm blanking now. But the Colts. Oh yeah, everyone was so high on the Colts, hottest team in the NFL. Seven Pro Jonathan Bowlers. Jonathan Taylor MVP. Jonathan Taylor MVP. The most Pro Bowlers. Oh, maybe their coach should be coach of the year. Are you kidding me? They didn't even make the playoffs. Yeah, let me know how that's going. I meant to tweet out this morning, actually. I wonder what the Colts are doing with their seven Pro Bowlers and Coach of the Year and MVP candidate to get ready for the playoffs. Oh, that's right. They're not going. Yeah, they're not in the playoffs. People, it's they just wrote them in. They got hot at uh, a third of the way through the season, and everyone was like, oh, well, Colts are going to win the AFC South. They're going to take over. You remember when those talks were happening, when people were saying, oh, the Titans were... They're tumbling right now without Derrick Henry. Colts are going to overtake him in the AFC South. Titans didn't even have to, I mean, to win the division anyway. Could like, Yeah, we could have not had a good second half of the season yeah. in hindsight. It's like we didn't even have to be that good. No. but 10 and did, 7 would have won it. Yeah, we we wanted, uh, we just wanted the one seat. Yeah. But gosh, I mean, then you had, I mean, because of that, now you have the Steelers getting in. Yeah, Steelers take was, care of the Ravens. Big Ben, man, he is. It's to me watching it anyway. It's worse than the Peyton Broncos days. Like he's making plays, yeah, but it is like, like painful he, to watch. Every single time he throws the ball, it, his shoulder like comes out of place. That uh, that fourth down conversion he had on on that last drive where he threw it, and he basically threw it, it, it in the his, dirt. At the, it literally had to be the most. That was ridiculous. A tough catch. Yeah, it was one of the most ridiculous catches I've ever seen. Terrible. Terribly thrown in the dirt ball, but it when was it's a, wet, like it's yeah. wet outside, and you basically have to pick it up off the ground, essentially. And he, they made it happen, and they, they go down made it and happen, score. And so. Now the uh, Steelers are in the playoffs. So yeah. I really hope somehow they get the upset because I would love to play the Steelers. That would be like, amazing. That would be so. Awesome. With Derrick Henry rested against their run defense, yeah, I we, would love a, we to need see a second that. chance because the Steelers have just been our kryptonite. They've been everyone's kryptonite because they're not that good, but now they're in the playoffs somehow. Yeah, they somehow stumbled and bumbled their way in there. Um, we could talk about the crazy game that was the overtime between the Rams and the 49ers. Um, I believe the Rams have already locked up the division with the loss of the Cardinals to the Seahawks. So... Um, just to throw back to my quick bet at the beginning of the season, Rams uh, division winner did hit. Um, I We did have under nine wins for the Colts. We'll take the push, though. So uh, thank you um, for the Rams winning that division. Big one there. We can also talk about the Buccaneers and Brady absolutely annihilating the Panthers. That was fun to see. I mean, he continues to do it over and over again. The man's amazing. He is, yeah. Yeah, I don't even have anything to say about it. Brady's amazing. They didn't get the one seed, though. Um, 
Another crazy game we'll talk about before we get into the Titans is this Chargers Raiders. We have to talk about this because awesome. so awesome. So apparently after the game, you were talking about a little bit. Eckler was talking to Max Crosby or somebody and was asking, were you guys going to kneel the ball? Yeah, I wasn't Crosby or someone else, but yeah, he has. And he said yes. That was, you could read the lips anyway. Yeah. And so apparently if the Chargers hadn't called that timeout. It was a prisoner's dilemma. It truly was. Yeah. <laughs> but then again, if you go look back at it, maybe the Raiders just don't want to play the Chiefs because if they, that game ties, they have to go play the well, Chiefs. Well, that's what a lot of other people were saying was, okay, if they don't call a timeout, don't the Raiders still just run it and then kick a field goal? However, I mean, may, maybe you don't because maybe you're like, oh, we don't want to fumble and give yeah, them the chance we don't to score risk or something. A, a blocked kick, a yeah, because truly, yeah, if you're the Raiders, I guess besides seeding, besides yeah, like you said, playing the Chiefs, you truly don't really gain anything. Even if like that's what I thought was funny was all these Raiders players running on the field after he made the field goal, and I kind of want to be like, you already, it didn't matter. It didn't <laughs> like, matter. You're yeah. in the playoffs. I guess maybe if you were worried about it getting blocked or something, that's literally the only thing that could have happened to stop you from being in the playoffs if they blocked it and took it back to the house. But, it, I mean, it would have been so cool because then the Steelers would not have gotten in. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. if uh, Because both the Chargers and the Raiders would have gotten in at 9-7-1. and one. Um, They would have had the tiebreaker over the Steelers who got in at 9-7-1. and one. This Chargers team has got to be one of the best teams I've seen that doesn't make the playoffs. And that's been – well – you realize the best team ever to not make the playoffs was a Philip Rivers led Chargers team where they were the number one offense in the NFL and the number one defense in the NFL, yet didn't make the playoffs. What year was that? I want to say. Was LT on the team? I want to say early 2010s. Gosh. That's a stat I didn't know, actually. That's wild. Philip Rivers, man, couldn't, couldn't quite do it. I love the, uh, the yes 2010 Chargers um, to be one of the greatest NFL teams of all time, t- despite missing. Did the Did they playoffs. go nine and seven or something, um, or was it a weird year where they went? Yeah, yeah so it was nine and seven. Okay. Um, and it's insane because they ha- it, it was came to some kind of ridiculous tiebreaker. Uh, but yeah, they basically from last year were trying to follow up on a thirteen and three season. Still had amazing stats, but just the way the the ball went that season, the Chargers just didn't make the playoffs. Even though having some of the best stats uh, or the best stats on both sides of the yeah, ball, yeah, I truly like, don't even understand how you can do that because you'd have to. Yeah, okay, I'm looking at the numbers, and that's the only way you can do it is if you're scoring. Look at the point differential. 20, <laughs> yeah. Like they're they're winning games, what? Yeah, thirty eight thirteen one week or whatever, and then losing a game by three by or, three, like twenty to seventeen. That's yeah. the only way you can do it because See, Yeah, I don't know how you can score the most and give up the least and only win nine games. They were destroying teams and then either uh either destroying teams or barely losing to them. Yeah, that's crazy. That was a stat I didn't pick up on. I loved uh I I heard the Basically, the way you know if a quarterback is a Hall of Famer is if you say his name, like you don't have to question it. You know, Peyton Manning, Brady, Rogers, Favre, Marino, and then you got Montana, Montana, Phillip Rivers, Rivers. Ah. Nah, that could, uh, it's basically if you have to question yeah. it, it's like no, like Breeze, Drew Breeze, yeah. like yeah, you're, you know he's in. Phillip Rivers, I don't know. 
Maybe. He might just get in, though, because his stats are so crazy good. He was in the league for so long and was yeah. obviously... In I mean, Dan Marino never won the big one either. Yeah. So... Uh, Philip Rivers, his, but he also played in an era where passing stats were inflated, and a lot of true, true, a lot of the records are going to be, or at least the standings of the record books are going to be a little skewed because of how many uh, more passing attempts there are today. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Did you see? Please tell me you saw this graphic. It was a side by side of Tyler Hero, and it said Tyler Hero in his third year, and then it said Kobe in his third year. No, I did not yeah, say that. Yeah, and someone had quoted it and was like, take this off right now, like, never tweet this again. <laughs> and it was, yeah, I, I guess Hero had better stats or something. First of all, Kobe, like, actually took a second, you know, when he was younger to get as good as he was. Regardless, we're the NBA, you're never going to be able to compare the legends especially of, scoring wise even even all the way up to like 2010 honestly well yeah now every game's 133 to 125 yeah, i mean lebron if if he breaks like the points record that's a i mean it's a little different right cuz he played he's been playing he's since been what for a oh, long, 03 03 is it really yeah, 03? 03 yeah so that's a little different um but gosh, I I mean, even that's gonna have kind of like half an asterisk next next to it because it's just not the same, you know. When games used to be, you know, ninety five, eighty eight, or something, yeah, or even seventy eight, eighty five in a playoff game when they were really playing defense. Now it's there's not the same defense, and to argue that to play devil's advocate, you can't guard guys the same as you could back in the day. I don't think. I think guys are more athletic and better yeah. scorers and more They're skillful. Better. And there's no uh, hand-checking anymore. You can't put your hand on a right. guy like you used to. Uh, in yeah, the you can't era. play defense like you used to. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. But that was just the worst graphic I've ever seen comparing Tyler Hero to Kobe. I was like, all right, let's... Whoever... Someone's got to delete their account. That made me mad. <laughs> yeah, no, that's ridiculous. Uh, a dishonor to a great Kobe. But yeah, getting off track here. Let's hop in. We'll finish it off with this one. A little shorter episode today as uh, the national championship's going on. Titans, Texans, baby. It ain't pretty, but it's beautiful. And I, I shot my dad a text after this game because he was on the uh, he was on the road and wasn't able to watch. Um, the Titans just won the number one seed in the most Titans fashion I've ever seen in my life. It was a painful, painful game. Uh, there was uh, such crazy ups and then some crazy downs in the second half. You started um, off twenty-one to nothing. Twenty-one to nothing. It, it, it's in my head. I was starting to think Steelers game all over again when we were weren't we up what thirteen three thirteen nothing um, against the Steelers at halftime. Yeah. Yeah, and then we end up losing sixteen thirteen something like that or nineteen sixteen whatever it was. Um, but yeah, go up twenty-one nothing. Defense absolutely dominating, looking amazing. Offense humming. Just everything going great. We come out second half, just lay an egg. Davis Mills is dotting us up. He was okay. I will say this: he was though. throwing late. He was Davis putting, Mills was just playing really good. Too. Him and Edel, Edelman turned back the time machine. Emendola. Em- em- yeah, yeah. Excuse no, me. No, you're good. Yeah, you're good. The, very easy to confuse. <laughs> those same two. guy. Yeah, yeah essentially, essentially same guy. Amendola turned back the time machine. It looked like he was 28 years old, and I. We were talking about it. Mike Vrabel and Amendola both played in the NFL at the same time. 
Yeah. I like, mean, Vrabel didn't play that long ago. Yeah, no, he uh, he retired in 2010 for the Chiefs. Um, but I was hoping they had played for the Patriots at the same time, but Amendola w- had, uh, was on the Rams at the time, but w- he wasn't. It was close, It though. was close. It was close. Yeah. So it was a few years removed, but they had almost played together on the Patriots, which would have been interesting to see. But, yeah, I mean, he he looked unstoppable out there. He looked... Was there were some holes in our defense There were some injuries, too, because both Molden and Fulton got banged up during yeah. the game. Hopefully, yeah. I, ha- I haven't seen anything about being long-term. No. Um, but hopefully, they'll uh, heal up quickly. Well, yeah, especially now, it's like, yeah, thank goodness you got that bye week because there were a few guys banged up, so you really need it. Yeah. But, I mean, gosh, this is... I mean, it's huge for the Titans, but... You know, they finish it off. Tannehill had that insane play where he evaded out of the sack, I mean, finds Nick Westbrook-Akina downfield. Eli Manning-esque. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's those type of plays, when they start going your way, I mean, that's uh, when crazy things happen. <laughs> well, it's, well, also, too, just to, I mean, talk about just that play in Tannehill, that's what you pay a guy $30 million for. Yeah. When you don't ask him to throw it 50 times a game and everything, you ask, you him, ask him to fit him in to your make offense. You ask him to play in the fourth quarter like that. Yeah, you ask him to, first of all, Tannehill's got the most game-winning drives since he's been on the Titans yeah. in the entire NFL. And I don't even think it's close No, either. And then to make plays like that, because, yeah, you're not going to light it up and throw for 400 yards, but, hey, you'll come in and throw four touchdowns and evade sacks and run around. And I mean, he's the amount of games he's won because of his legs, too, oh, has yeah. been huge. So. Tanhill and they asked him a lot after the game if it bothered him that he's not recognized as maybe a top five or top ten quarterback in the league, and he essentially just said, you know, it'd be nice to get recognized, I guess, but I don't. Yeah, I yeah, don't care. I, I, I don't <laughs> he's win. like, I want to win. Yeah, and I mean, you, you love to hear that from your your franchise quarterback, and he did exactly what we needed him to. Didn't turn the ball over. He almost had that horrendous fumble. Um, in the third quarter that yeah. they had scored twice already and then were about to get the ball in the red zone again. Or Yeah, I think that's what happened. Yeah, we're about to get the ball in the red zone again, and luckily the ball just kind of bounced. But, jeez, that was scary. He did also have – I think there was at least one or two that were like right in a defender's hands that could have been, easily been picked. Yeah. For some, we were drawing up these kind of bomb plays, though. Yeah, Julio uh, had one deep one that they weren't able to connect on. He uh, well, that, overthrew it just a little bit. But. There were a couple that were not open either, uh-uh. and he still threw it, and I'm wondering, is that like... Is that like just, hey, were no they what? Did they call it up and were just like, just heave it no matter what? <laughs> yeah, like I don't... But Julio it was finally out of, it was out of character. But yeah, go yeah. I was saying uh Julio finally got his first touchdown as a Titan, which was huge. And he had some huge catches when we needed him. Finally all the money um that we're paying him um and the the trade that we made paid off big time against Houston. He came up big. Ferkser had a good game too. Ferkser, You're gonna need that with Pruitt. Oh out. my god, he took some shots too. Like it seemed every time Ferkser caught that ball, he was taking a crown of a helmet straight to the numbers. I mean, he was getting annihilated all day long, but held onto the ball, made some big catches. Um, really love to see it out of Ferkser, who's been a slight receiving disappointment this year. So it's funny you say that because yeah, the, so the expectations this year were Ferks, for Ferkser were pretty high. With all these wide receiver weapons coming in and everything, they thought, you know, this will really open it up for our receiving, more of our receiving tight end Ferks are here. And halfway through the season, people were calling him this big disappointment and everything. And I just disagreed with it because 
I mean, okay, you have a guy who had 360 receiving yards last year, and he's a undrafted guy, fourth-year player, third-year player, and you're calling that, like, a big disappointment? Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess you have to have expectations for guys, but if you look at his stats, I was looking at him actually last night, and, I mean, he's got around 300 receiving yards. I think he had, like, 360 last year, maybe. Something like that. Switch, yeah, 60 yards, you're like, oh, that's not a lot, but I guess when you're talking about that smaller of a number, and for tight end stats, yeah, it's a big deal because... That's essentially, you know, six or seven catches difference probably. But, I mean, he ended up, I mean, it's, so, it's not as good as last year, but it's the second best year of his career, apparently, according to his stats. So, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not in on the disappointment train. I think it's also, I mean, we have three tight ends that legitimately played this year. Personally, I think Pruitt has has looked the best receiving yeah. wise. Just Swaim, I think, is by far the best blocking wise. Once well, it was funny because I thought Swaim would have had more yards for some reason, just because I've I feel like he's maybe recently a decent amount of touchdowns, though, hasn't he? Yeah, he's caught the most yeah. touchdowns I think out of all of them. Yeah, but I I feel like we've thrown him some screens and stuff, and it's worked out. So maybe that's why I thought it. But anyway, Ferkser's going to be pretty good. As let's see, yeah, Bama just went for two, didn't get it, so they're up eighteen thirteen. But glad that Ferks was playing well because you're going to need him to yeah. in these next couple of weeks because him and Swaim, I do. Man, you you really are. I think you're going to miss Pruitt more than you probably even realize. Yeah, just because he is kind of the hybrid of Ferks and Swaim. He's the hybrid Swaim. of both. He's the the best of both worlds, and he he's definitely a weapon to have on the field. There's a reason the Titans brought him back after cutting him. Um, so we'll see. I. I Obviously, I think with AJ being healthy and Julio being healthy, we'll be all right. But it you definitely s- sucks to to see Pruitt uh, not be able to play. You got to see Julio getting a rhythm too, not just the touchdown, but had a couple other good catch- catches and got open. And, yeah, it's like you need that because if you have you don't you don't need him to get a hundred yards or anything. But if he gets fifty yards, like he did, like him, I think him and AJ both had fifty plus yeah. yards. If that happens, you're in good shape. And he was even before the game. They were asking about oh how he wants to get more yards and all this stuff. And he himself said, "Well, all that matters is when I'm out on the field, they're going to have to put people on me, and that leaves yep. the other side of the field open." He was saying, "That's I'm paraphrasing, obviously, his quote." But he was saying, "Look, I don't I don't care about all the receiving numbers. I know when I'm out there, I'm there's going to be attention paid to me. And if that open uh, opens up the playbook and opens up the the field for somebody else to score, that's great." That's what AJ and Tannehill essentially said the same thing after the game. When asked about Julio, all they said was, you know, when he's on the field, you have to take him into account. No matter, like, it doesn't matter. This production hasn't been the same this year. He's still Julio Jones. He still draws the attention of either your number one or number two corner every time. Yeah. So, and having that, when he draws that much attention, and then also having a guy like AJ and even Nick Westbrook, who's played pretty well this year, who's a great number three, I think. You're going to have things open up, especially with freaking Derrick Henry coming back. I mean... Yeah. I mean, the play action is about to be filthy come playoff time. Yeah. I mean, because... And also, let's talk about the running backs that have stepped in the place of Derrick Henry, Dontrell Hilliard, and Donta Foreman. Holy cow, what a job they have done and continued to do against the Texans. They ran hard. They ran well. Now it's not going to be, okay, McNichols came in, Titans are passing. No, now it's, okay, Foreman came in, he's still a threat to run. Or Hilliard came in, he's still a threat to run. We might still have to stack the box here. Play action, boom. 
I mean, it, it, it's it's going to be fun now that we have that second running back position pretty much locked up in the third running back position when McNichols has been good in the past game but has been terrible at blocking. Um, and then Darrington Evans can't see the field if it hit him right in the face. Well, so, McNichols got released. Yeah, he got cut. Yeah. Um, and uh, I read a lot to do with that was because of his blocking. So oh, I just saw uh, Rashawn Evans on there. Shout out Titans <laughs> uh, holding up a national championship trophy. But – yeah, it's nice to see that uh, secondary running back uh, position locked up. Well, and there were definitely times in that Texans game where the Titans were gashing the Texans' defense on some runs with Deontay yeah. Foreman. You saw him getting eight, nine yards a pop, like pretty easily. And then obviously His that former team, the last, yeah, and obviously that last run for Hilliard to kind of ice it. I loved that play call too. That design, yeah. that kind of fake handoff, pitch it out to pitch it out to left to Hilliard, and he just takes the ten yards. It's perfect. It was a great play call, great win, hard fought, but Titans have the number one seed, and that's all that matters. That's all I know. It really is funny because I mean, I, you know, ten weeks ago when we, we were, were really humming, we were like, "Yeah, Henry. this is gonna happen." Then Henry gets injured, and you're like, "Okay, just won the division." I feel like we went back and forth on it like two or three times, being like, "Oh, well, you know, that's still on the table, so we'll see." And then, hey, some somehow, one way or another, ninety players later couple losses to the Jets and the Jags no sorry yeah Jets and the Texans sorry and here you are the one seed yeah thank goodness you beat the Chiefs on the in that run so an interesting stat that I saw so the 2021 Titans became the first team in NFL history to record at least eight wins against teams that finished the season with a winning record so not only did we have all those injuries we beat all the playoff teams, or had basically the most wins against playoff teams in NFL history. Yeah. So if that doesn't cement Mike Frabel's case for coach of the year, I don't know what does. I mean, he he's he deserves it. Yeah, that's the next thing, right? Is who are they going to give coach of the year to? And I don't know how you can't give it to Mike Frabel. It's him or Lafleur is what it'll end up being. But I, I mean, I you saw my pick on Patriot Sports. I had uh, Vrabel kind of halfway through as some of these injuries started piling up and we kept winning. I felt it. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, what he did, I mean, you lose what most people said. If you're, if you're of the argument that Derrick Henry should have won MVP, then you you're essentially like, well, that's this, you're, if you believe that Derrick Henry should have won MVP, then you think he's on the same level as a guy like Aaron Rodgers. So you're saying like the Titans without Derrick Henry – should be similar to the Packers without Aaron Rodgers, which was not the case. With which Mike is not, Vrabel which is not the, the case with Mike Vrabel. And I personally think it's an argument to a quarterback really is that much more valuable than a running back. Yeah, but anyway. running running backs can always be replaced. Derrick Henry is different because of some of the plays that he makes, but you can still get. I mean, 70, I mean, you got you can get seventy percent, eighty percent of Henry. Through Correct. A, through uh, multiple runs. You moneyballed him. Yeah. We did. That's yeah, exactly you what you did. You moneyballed him. him. You took Deontay Foreman and Hilliard and you recreated the stats anyway. Yeah. It, the stats were almost identical. Yeah. Our, our, our rushing offense. It was split between some backs, but hey, who cares? We were paying him less than we pay Henry. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Just like you said, we did it moneyball style. Billy Bean. But yeah. I mean, it'll be exciting to see who they play in the next couple of weeks. NFL playoffs. I love NFL playoffs. Ready for them to get going. Trisha, do you have anything else you want to add to this? No, I mean, I'm just excited uh, to see where the Titans end up. I know we have um, 
some big stuff ahead of us. Super Bowl bound, I'm calling it. I sure hope so. Luckily, so next week we'll probably get to cover uh, the playoff games that the Titans won't be in. Uh, we'll have a national championship winner crown. Maybe we'll do a little uh, early, way too early college football preview for next year. Go ahead and give our top four right now. Yeah. And then maybe right before the season again, we can give them again if we change our minds. So top four next season, who we think? Yeah, like way too early prediction for your top four. Bama, number one. Oh, you want to do it now? Yeah. Okay, oh, go for it. Go for it. Bama now. number one. AM number two. Georgia number three. And is this end of the year? Yeah, yeah. This is the playoff. USC number four. You have three SEC teams? Three SEC teams and then USC. I don't know how it'll end up, but it's going to. Yikes. See, I'll go I'll go Bama one. I'm going to go Ohio State 2. I maybe I got to take a better look at this. I mean, I just Cuz Big Big 12 what? You're kind of out of it with the Big 12 now. You don't have anyone in there, right? Not really. Cuz Ooh, well. You know what? I'm going to go like actually okay. So, I'm going to go <laughs> Bama 1, Ohio State 2. Do I like anyone else in the SEC or the ACC is the question. You know what? I'll go I'll go ahead and say Georgia 3 again. I'll just say they're going to squeak in there again somehow. You have two you have Bama and Georgia back in there. I don't think I don't think A&M will necessarily get there. Who's playing quarterback for A&M again? They got a guy coming in, but then they also have Haynes King, I guess, coming yeah. back to play. I just, I I'm don't believe in it. I don't believe in it. They A&M. got the best recruiting class ever. Yeah, but not they maybe in a couple years. Yet. Maybe yeah, in a we'll couple see. years. But then at four, I'm gonna go Baylor. I think Dave, I like it. I think Dave Aranda's got it going over got there, going. and they're gonna be especially if Oklahoma and Texas are gone. We'll see. Yeah, really. I mean, not that Texas is even really a threat to them right now. So, and I don't think. Not I mean. Look, it was Baylor and Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship. Yeah. I think Baylor's the best team. So, I'm going to go with Baylor on that. Yeah. Did you see, uh, I know we both follow this account on Twitter, the Big Game Boomer uh, preseason top 25? No. Let me just read off the top 15 here. Okay. <laughs> Are you going from 1 to 15 or 15 to 1? 1 to 15. Okay. So Alabama number 2. or it, <laughs> I already started off wrong. Alabama number 1. Ohio State number 2. Okay. Utah number 3. See, I don't hate that. Utah came across my mind. Really? Yes, dude. Did you see them in the Rose Bowl? I mean, they did dominate. And the Pac-12. Like, who else is there in the Pac-12? Oregon, maybe? But no, they, actually, they, I'm taking out Georgia. I'm putting, putting Utah, in Utah in at three. So we're actually, we're the same right now. Bama, Ohio State, Utah. Georgia at four. Okay, see, I'm going to put Baylor at four. I'm going to say Baylor goes like undefeated or something. So Wake Forest at five. Wisconsin uh, at six. No. <laughs> NC State at seven. What? Text, this is real. This guy, well, okay, this guy also has no credibility. This guy, gosh, he's a genius because all he did was start making polls and... He makes insane well, polls. He and- does it on his, it's just his opinion. He makes it all up. 
<laughs> well, let me keep going. Wait, so what were you, what was the last one you said? So seven was NC State. Yeah. Eight AM, nine Michigan State, ten uh Oklahoma State. Okay. Eleven Arkansas. Jeez. Twelve Baylor. So he's he's big on the Baylor. Thirteen Pitt. Why? They just lost Kenny Pickett. Fourteen Tennessee. Dang. 15 Mississippi State. Some of those, oh my gosh, what? I mean, some of those SEC teams. Samford at number 19. Wait, who? Samford. Samford? I don't even know. Let me see. No, no, no. Who? Because Samford's FCS. Yeah, no, what? What is that logo then? That's Fresno State. Oh, okay. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> I was like, in my head, I was so confused. But, okay, here's the thing about all those SEC teams in the top. You're not, like, it's not possible because... Yeah, because they'll beat up on each other. Yeah, you can't... They can't all be in the top 15 because they're all going to... I mean, I guess some of those are in different divisions, but they're going to play each other. So, yeah, that's not going to work. Arkansas at 11? I mean, Arkansas is pretty good. They're, but- they look solid. To me, the craziest was Wake Forest and NC State, where they are. Five and seven. Dude, yeah, what? <laughs> five and, and seven. I mean, I like Sam Hartman. I do at, yeah, at Wake but Forest, but number five? That's crazy talk. I mean, I guess ACC's not that good. So, I mean, who's Wake Forest going to lose to in the ACC besides, I mean, Clemson? Clemson's going to give him a run. Clemson's not even on this list. Yeah, so he's not, yeah, he doesn't have big thoughts, big aspirations for Clemson, which, I mean, I think Clemson will still be pretty good, but yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. Five and seven, I don't like it. I was with them on the top three, though. Maybe that says yeah. something more about me. Maybe so. we'll have to uh, keep keep Utah um, on the watch list. No, yeah, see, I like Utah. I just couldn't think of if there was another Pac-12 team because I guess Oregon they lost Cristobal. USC's just not going to have it yet. I think Utah might run the table. They might go undefeated. Unless, I don't know what their non-conference schedule looks like if they play some big other Power 5 team. But yeah, I like, I like my pick, honestly. You're going to have one SEC team. You're going to have Bama at one. Ohio State's going to have that offense home, and I think C.J. Stroud might be the best quarterback in the country next year. Then I'm going to go Utah. Utah has and, to play at Florida. Oh, they're going to crush them. They're going to crush Florida in the first game of the season. You think? Yes. Oh, they're going to... Book it right now. I, we will. I'm gonna try to keep this sound. I'm opposite because, on that. I think Florida's gonna surprise, stun Utah. No. Yep. No. no it's no. coming. Did you watch the Rose Bowl? I did. I talked about how good Utah was. What is? Why do you think Florida's gonna stun them? Florida's not gonna be good. They're losing everyone. They're not gonna have anyone to play for them. Trust me. Trust me. Everybody thinks Florida's gonna be down early in the season. Florida is good no matter what. They're good early in the first season. game of the season for a new head coach. No, no. All right, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, we will. No, I'm excited. See, I'm already pumped for next football season. There's too much, way too much offseason hype. It doesn't exist anywhere else, quite like it does in college football. That's why college football is college recruits, football, baby. transfers, coaches, expectations. You never know what you're going to get. Gosh, yeah, you got me ready for September 3rd, Utah, at Florida. That's going to be a fun game to watch. <laughs> That's got to be, that might be game day or something. It's weird though, it's at Florida. It's not even a, one of those, you know, Chick fil A kickoffs or kick-offs like something. Where they in, meet somewhere in the or middle. Or somewhere in Dallas. Yeah, or, Dallas, Atlanta, something cool. I guess you don't have like a true neutral site well, for those two teams. Well, it says 
TBD, so maybe they will change to a neutral site, or I guess it's. I think that's the. Florida. I think that's just, just, just for the, the time. time. Just yeah. the time. Okay. We'll see, though. That's exciting. I'm ready now. Um, but yeah, I think that about does it for me. You got anything else you want to add? No, that pretty much covers it. Just uh, I want the Titans to win the Super Bowl. Let's do it. I hope so. All right, guys. Thanks again for listening this week. Uh, check us out. PaydirtSports.blog, at PaydirtSports on Twitter, at paid. No, sorry. Scratch that. At Paydirt underscore sports on Twitter, at PaydirtSports on Instagram. Remember, we're part of the Six Pack Coverage Network. Check them out on Instagram, Twitter, at Six Pack Coverage. SixPackCoverage.com on their website. Got a lot of cool stuff. Sports, fitness, travel, fashion, food, everything you can think of on the site. Be sure to check it out. Guys, thanks again for listening, and we will see y'all next week.